Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 16. Let's just be real, people. A lot of life involves money. You live somewhere. You pay money for that. You probably work somewhere. You get money for that. You eat food every day. You have to pay for that. There's just so much of our lives where money is involved. And money on an earthly level is one of the great concerns you will have in life earning money uh, to then be able to spend the money that you need. And so that that's so much of what we think about in the world. It's good for us to see that the Bible is not silent on this subject. And the Bible gives us instruction on how to live as Christians in a world full of money. Uh, and that's what we're going to see in Luke 16. Money is the theme of this chapter as we saw in chapter 15 that there was one theme throughout. Well, the same is true in chapter 16. It is a theme of money. And again, one theme that even connects the two chapters is that Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders. Um, And we saw that in chapter 15, he was rebuking them for their lack of joy over the salvation of repentant sinners. And today we are going to uh, see that in his rebuking of the religious leaders of their love of money. Now, it starts with a parable that's geared towards the disciples. And this is, if the prodigal son is uh, the most famous of the parables and maybe the most beautiful and inspiring of the parables, let's just be honest again, this is the biggest head scratcher. Um, Because let's look at it. There was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. So what happens? The manager's going to get fired because he's, he's not doing a good job. In fact, he's being dishonest in his job. And so verse three, the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to him, first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to them, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80. The master, now, and so you're like, whoa, this guy is doing shady stuff. Now this is where the parable can get confusing. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Then you're like, well, wait, wait a minute. He just did like unethical, if not illegal stuff. Why is he being commended? Well, look at the punchline here. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. And so there you get the point. Jesus is not 
really praising what this dishonest manager is doing. He's just making the point, um, look how shrewd this guy is using his money or access to money to get ahead for earthly ends. This guy's trying to provide for himself in an earthly way. He's saying, hey, my people need to be shrewd with their money for eternal purposes. So Jesus is not in any way recommending that Christians be dishonest like this manager was. He is just saying we should be better with our money using it for an eternal purpose than the world is using it for earthly purposes. I think the simplest summary of this parable is you need to shrewdly, sagaciously, wisely use your earthly wealth for eternal purposes. Use your earthly wealth for eternal purposes. Um, And as we think through that, a now application of that, I mean, that, that line stretches all throughout history. If you are a Christian, shrewdly use your earthly wealth for eternal purposes. And that's where we need to be countercultural in this. But let's just start um, by considering, are you using your earthly resources for eternal purposes? Can you look at your life or could we open up your bank account and see, hey, you are using your money for eternal purposes. Now, obviously, we'd probably see you've got some kind of rent or mortgage payment. You have to eat food. There's necessities of life. You got to put gas in the car and all of these things. But here's some ways just to think about. One would be one way you can spend your earthly money for eternal purposes is by supporting kingdom ministries. And I would say biblically that that should start with your own local church. Every local church is entirely dependent on the giving of its congregation. And I would hope, and this is kind of the biblical pattern, Paul says, you know, if if I have sown spiritual things to you, is there not a reason that the leaders of the church should reap material things from the church to support them so that they can be fully devoted to doing ministry? I think of our church, we have a rent payment to the middle school that we meet in on the weekends and a lot of other facilities throughout the week. There's so many things that without a generous congregation, we would not be able to to do. So that's one place to start. Make sure you are saying, hey, I'm investing in my local church because my local church is being used by God to reach, teach, and train people for the sake of the kingdom. Also, just think of ministries you could support beyond that, missionaries or or other uh, institutions that are seeking to build up the church. Uh, are, Are you saying, hey, I want to invest in places like that for the sake of the kingdom. That's a good place to start. I I think not only just thinking about giving or, you know, as we would think of like charitable giving, whether that's to your local church or another Christian ministry or organization or missionary, also just try to think through this more personally and just the people that you interact with. Maybe you need to think about how could I use my money in such a way um, to reach my coworkers or my neighbors with the gospel. And, and hey, that might cost me something, but how could I be shrewd with my money uh, to, to win gospel opportunities? 
I even just think of one time, it was right around when we were preaching on this passage or my pastor was at another church. We were at a a pastor's conference and we had a short taxi ride from the hotel to the airport. And and one of the pastors was, uh, you know, really leaning in pretty strong in a gospel conversation with uh, the, the taxi driver and being pretty forward with this woman who was the taxi driver. And it was a very short ride and we got it out of the car and I noticed he paid for it. And, you know, he tipped her a pretty exorbitant amount compared to the ride that we took. And I, I, I later was like, did, did you really tip the driver that much? And he said, yeah, I want, I want her to think all day. Why, why was that guy who was such a jerk to me? So generous, right? He, he just wanted to throw something else in to make her think, you know, Hey, this guy was pretty forward in, in calling out the gospel and calling me to repentance, but he was also really generous to me. Why is that? All right. We, we should be creative with how we use our money. And then Jesus warns the Pharisees in verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And that's where I think we need to be warned that a Christian view of wealth is going to be countercultural. Um, it's so easy to make excuses, right? They, they, the Pharisees, they justified themselves and wealth is always going to be exalted among men. Um, and that's where the Bible is clear that it does not condemn any Christian who would be wealthy. The Bible's clear. No, there will be wealthy Christians. Even in Proverbs, there's some ways that if you follow God's way, that's more likely to lead to wealth than the foolishness of the world. So it's not as simple as, oh, if you're really godly, then you'll be poor. That doesn't do justice to the whole Bible. But at the same time, we need to be aware that because the culture praises wealth, there's lots of ways that Christians might make excuses to seek wealth or to pursue those things in ways that wouldn't actually honor God. And that's what Jesus is warning uh, the Pharisees of. And the one thing here that, that doesn't seem to match with wealth is the idea of divorce right in the middle of this passage. Well, um, what's one of the leading causes of divorce? Financial matters. So in that way, it's, it's not that disconnected. And Jesus says something interesting in verse 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. That, that's an interesting question. One commentator I think has the maybe simplest and best explanation of it, that while the money-loving Pharisees were resisting the kingdom, poor sinners were entering in droves. And and that even goes back to chapter 15, right? These, uh, I guess the tax collectors were wealthy, but then you also have sinners who probably weren't, and they're coming to Christ while these rich Pharisees are resisting the kingdom. And so again, be aware of the countercultural aspects of a Christian view of wealth. And again, uh, Jesus, you know, he talks about in verse 13, you cannot serve God and money. And you think of what we've seen in other places, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You need to think about money from an eternal perspective. And that really is what leads us then to this parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And again, when you consider it in the context of the chapter, part of it is clearly, it doesn't do you any good to be rich in this life if you end up in hell. It would be much better to be poor in this world and end up in paradise. Uh, you, you would make that trade 
all the time. But that's the thing. We often think more in terms of the here and now as opposed to eternity. Now, there's one other thing that I think is very interesting in this parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and that is where uh, the rich man in torment, he is asking Abraham to send uh, Lazarus back from the dead to warn his brothers so they don't end up in hell too. And Abraham says something very interesting, but Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And that may seem disconnected from the the broader theme of riches and wealth and money in the chapter, but that tells us something important about the truth of God's word. Because even today, you'll come across people in evangelism who say, well, why doesn't God just prove it to me? Um, Well, he's given us his word and that is sufficient. And the irony of that is what Jesus did raise someone from the dead or God raised someone from the dead, Jesus Christ. Jesus did rise from the dead. And many of these people still didn't believe. And when somebody wants a sign from God, from you, you can say, God already gave us a sign by raising his son from the dead. And what you really need is to pay attention to his word. So that's true. That's powerful in a way kind of that goes beyond the theme, but the theme is definitely making us think about money. And let's consider again, what we have seen here. You should be shrewd and use your earthly money for eternal purposes. And also you need to just be aware that that's going to require some countercultural thinking. That's going to require some swimming upstream, some going against the grain of the culture. But that should be enabled by a reality that this life is not all that there is. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Eternity comes next. And so my financial status in this life is not the most important thing. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.